The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Today we are beginning a brand new series together, and to begin this series, I simply want to ask you a very simple question. Are you happy? Are you happy? I hope you are, because the the truth is, for all of us, um, to some degree or another, every single one of us, we are on a happiness quest in life. And the problem for for a number of us, a problem for many of us even, is that we really want to be happy, but we don't necessarily know if we are happy or how to actually become happy. Happy. In fact, the truth is, many of us have spent a great deal of time, we've spent a lot of our money trying to pursue happy, and yet the truth is, happy and happiness just still continues to elude us. What's even more puzzling is that if you've been in church or if you've been around church for a long time, um, you may have been actually given the impression, maybe you were even told this, I don't know, um, but that you might have walked away from church thinking, okay, God, um, he doesn't actually care about my happiness. All God cares about is my holiness, right? Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you, you've been told that. Maybe um, you just kind of grew up with that impression. And, and really, it's kind of a, an interesting idea, really, um, that, that you know, somehow um, that this would actually be true. You, you were taught, you were told, you believe for some reason, okay, either I can follow God and I can follow Jesus or I can be happy. But for some reason, I just can't, um, I, I can't actually have both. And and if you stop and think about it, it's kind of a, a silly idea, really, because if, if Jesus is actually right, if you actually really do have a Heavenly Father who loves you and who actually created you in His image, right, and who created you with the extraordinary capacity to experience happiness, who created you with the extraordinary capacity to experience joy, Right, then why in the world would he create you with that capacity and not want you to experience it through him? Right? It just doesn't make any sense. Why would he put that capacity in you and not want you to experience it through him? And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about this together. And what we're going to discover is that God is not in the way of our happiness. Rather, God provides the way to happiness. And to resist God is in fact to resist happiness. And so to start us off together today, we're going to look at some words of Jesus that if you've been around church or you've been in church for any length of time, these are some very familiar words, and chances are you've actually heard these words before. But for whatever reason, you may have listened to these words or heard about these words and maybe just kind of dismissed these words because they didn't make any sense to you and you didn't understand what in the world these words were trying to communicate. And what we're going to discover together today is that it's through these words that Jesus is pointing us to happy. Take out your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 5. If you're using one of those Bibles in the seat back in front of you, you can find this beginning on page 1501. Now, Matthew chapter 5 begins what we think of and what we, we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts off this very familiar message for many of us. He starts off by saying um, over and over and over again, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And there's this idea, because we don't use that word blessed, really. There's this idea that Jesus is talking about some ethereal experience, some kind of ethereal emotion, some kind of otherworldly thing out there. And really, um, this word blessed, we actually get this from the Greek word makarios. And when you translate this word, the literal meaning of the word is just simply happy 
or fortunate. And so Jesus starts off this message by simply saying, happy are, happy are, happy are, right? And so Jesus starts off by saying to to, to all of these people who are listening to him, listen, happy, this is what happy looks like, right? This is what happy people do. This is how happy people act. If you want to be happy, this is what you should do, Jesus is saying. This is how you should act. Now, Matthew begins by giving us the context for this whole event. He tells us in verse 1 that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him. Now, all throughout the New Testament, there's three groups of people who follow Jesus from place to place. The first group are the apostles. These are the 12 guys. This is Matthew. This is John. This is Peter. This is James. It's those 12 guys. And then there's also the disciples, Now, the disciples includes the 12, but it's not limited to them. It's also other groups of people who sometimes number in the dozens, other times in the hundreds, and they follow Jesus from place to place, and they too believe that Jesus is who Jesus claimed to be. And then there's also the crowds, and the crowds are the people who are curious about Jesus, they're not sure about Jesus, and sometimes they're even hostile towards Jesus, and this group numbers on the hundreds and sometimes even the thousands of people. And so Matthew tells us there's this great group of people present, all three groups of people are present, and so Jesus sits down and he begins to teach, and he begins to say to them, blessed are, right, happy are. Verse 3. Blessed, he says, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And see, right away, Jesus actually begins by addressing a very commonly held myth, which is that rich people are happy people. Or maybe it's the the poor people who are the happy people. And see, Jesus says, no, no, let me tell you who, who the happy people are. The happy people are the people who are poor in spirit, because to be poor in spirit is to acknowledge that no matter how much you have or no matter how little you have, that you are completely dependent on your heavenly Father every single minute of every single day. People who are happy, the happy people, Jesus says, are the people who live and who embrace their daily dependence upon their heavenly Father. Those who are poor in spirit, they live with the understanding that as if every single day they are dependent on their heavenly Father. Because here's the thing that hopefully you've learned or maybe you're in the process of learning. In fact, this was the takeaway, one of the takeaways for us a couple of series ago. The moment that we begin to put our trust right, in our provisions and not the one who provides for us, we are unhappy. Right In that moment, when that happens, we become unhappy, and here's why. Because suddenly, when we do that, it is up to me to control outcomes, and I cannot control outcomes. And the moment that I begin to place my trust in my provisions rather than the one who actually provides for me, in that moment, I actually take on a responsibility that is too big for me to carry. Anyone, Jesus says, who is living under the burden of it is all up to me is by definition, Jesus would say, not happy. And so Jesus begins this message saying that regardless, right, regardless of the kind of person that you met, he says, let me tell you who the happy people are. The happy people are rich, the happy people are poor, and the happy people are in the middle. The happy people are the people who recognize that regardless of the possessions that I have, I am as dependent upon my heavenly Father for my provision each day as I have ever been. Because here's the thing, and again, you know this. 
right? Poor people do not attempt to find satisfaction in things because things are not an option for them. And see, the truth is your heavenly father has invited all of us, he's invited you and he has invited me to actually embrace that idea and live with that very same understanding that at the end of the day, my confidence is not in my stuff. My confidence is actually in the one who provides the stuff. Jesus continues and he says this in verse 4. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now when we hear this, our initial reaction is like, okay, what? I mean, like Jesus, that, that doesn't even make sense. Right? But think about this for a moment. Think about this. Do you know who mourns? People who are actually emotionally connected, they mourn. People who recognize and don't hide from the fact that there are actually things in this world that are broken, that there are actually things in this world that are unjust, that there are things in this world that are not the way they should be, that this world is in fact broken. The people who mourn are the people who embrace the reality of death, And they do not hide from it. They do not run away from it. Instead, they face it full on and they deal with the fact that death is, in fact, a part of life in this world. And see, the truth is, in our culture and in our world, this is becoming increasingly uncommon. And there is more and more of a temptation for every single one of us to just ignore the reality of death, just ignore the reality of pain, just ignore the reality of our brokenness, just ignore the reality of the source of our pain and our brokenness and just kind of get on with life and just kind of move on with life. And Jesus is saying this, okay, so don't miss this. If that is your attitude towards death and towards pain and towards suffering in this world, then you will never be happy because it means you are living your life in the fear of death and that's gonna rob you of the joy of living. And again, isn't it true? I mean, if you think about the people that you know who are truly happy, isn't it true that these are men and women who are not fixated on death in the end? I mean, they're not excited about it, but they don't dwell on it, right? They're not fixated by it. Instead, they have embraced the reality that there is, in fact, more to this life than simply this life. Jesus continues and he says this. Verse 5 Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, our reaction to this word is almost entirely negative because we think that meekness is weakness, but Jesus says, no, meekness is actually powerful. Meek is powerful, Jesus says, because meekness is nothing more than having a humble attitude about who we are in this world. It's about having a humble attitude as we live our lives in this world. Meek people understand it's not about me. Meek people are not always trying to be the center of attention. Meek people understand that they are a part of God's creation. They understand that God is actually up to something in this world, and they are a part of it, but they are not the center of it. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is accepting my heavenly Father's valuation and his estimation of me based on who he created me to be. Jesus says, you want to be happy? Then embrace meekness. He continues in verse 6 and he says this, Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, for they 
they will be filled. In other words, Jesus says, blessed are those who are committed to doing the right thing. Right? Happy are those with no guilt, no regret, and a clear conscience. Happy are those who do the right thing even when it's hard. Jesus says, happy are those who at the end of the day hunger and they thirst for righteousness. Happy are those who ask themselves the tough question, the difficult question. What's the right thing to do? What would love have me do? And see, isn't it true? Right? When you look back on your own life and you think about your own past and the seasons of your past, isn't it true that when you did the wrong thing, that did not create any happiness in you? I mean, isn't it true that your greatest regret in life, it came from a point in your life where you looked back and you knew what love would have you do, but you did not do that because of what it would cost you? And don't you wish that somehow you could go back and change that or undo that or redo that? Jesus says, happy are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are the relationally generous. Happy are those people that give other people exactly what they do not deserve relationally. Happy are those who do not seek revenge. Happy are those who do not hold on to bitterness. Happy are those who forgive. Happy are those who do not hold grudges. Happy are those who are not waiting to be paid back. Because again, and you know this, right? You have never met a happy, bitter person, have you? But see, what all of us have met, what you have certainly met, is you have met people who have, in fact, been extraordinarily mistreated throughout the course of their life, and yet somehow they manage to come out on the other side, and they're fine. They're even happy. And see, when you look into that and you kind of drill down into that, what you discover is that these people are people who understand what it means to be relationally generous. And they decided to, to extend to that ex-husband or that ex-wife exactly what that ex-husband or wife did not deserve. They were relationally generous. And even though they were never paid back, even though they never extracted revenge, even though they never got an apology, even though the person who offended them never fully owned up to what it is that they did, they are happy. Now, see, the challenge here for all of us at this point is that up to this point, the truth is probably none of us would disagree with anything that Jesus is saying to us. The problem, in fact, is, is that we may be tempted to just dismiss these things as just nothing more than intu intuition, maybe karma, maybe human decency, if there is such a thing. But the problem is, is what Jesus says next, this is the one that just, you know, stops us in our tracks, because Jesus uh, asks us the question, and he says, okay, do, do you want to see God? I mean, do you, do you want to see God? Right? Do, do you want to see life so clearly and so completely that you can actually recognize when God is at work around you? Would you like to be able to see God at work in, in your own life? 
Would you like to recognize what it is that God wants you to do in the midst of a difficult situation, whether it has to do with your family or your finances or your career or, or your kids, whatever it is? Would you like to see life that clearly and have that kind of clarity in your life, Jesus says? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, let me just kind of pause here and tell you why this is such an amazing statement. Because I have spoken to countless people, and probably all of you have as well, people who, when looking back on a season or a portion of their life, would say something along the lines of, okay, I don't know why I didn't just see it coming. I don't know why I didn't stay away from that. I, I don't know why I, walked, I didn't walk away from that. I don't know why I just stayed away. I don't know why I just continued to allow this to come into my life. I don't understand why I did this. And see, Jesus is addressing that. And it all comes down to this word right here. And yet the problem is in our world and in our culture today, the only time we ever hear this word is in reference to water. And see, what Jesus says is that the clarity that you need for life in this world, that clarity, it comes with purity. The decision to purify your mind. The decision to, to purify yourself morally and ethically. The decision to say, okay, you know what? I, I do not have to experience everything in life to understand life. Jesus, in fact, would tell you the exact opposite. Jesus would say that the clarity that you're looking for in regards to sin and the consequences of sin, purity will lead you to that kind of clarity. He says, blessed are the pure in heart because they will be able to see and identify the activity of God. Now, for some of you today, for someone here today, this is a real issue right now because you are at a crossroads. You are in the midst of a difficult decision, and you have to make some decisions about your family, your money, your future, your career. And there's this little voice inside of you saying, I'm going to miss out, I'm going to miss out, I'm going to miss out. And see, Jesus would say to you, no. No, you are not going to miss out on anything that is good. In fact, if you will allow me, Jesus would say, to purify your mind, to renew your mind, then you will in time have the clarity to see that following me, Jesus would say, is going to lead you into happiness. And see, let's face it. Right? In our culture and in our world today, right? nobody is calling us to this, are they? Nobody is reminding us of this truth. And yet 2,000 years ago, Jesus makes this incredible statement that was true in his world. And it's absolutely just as true in our world today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they... We'll see God. Blessed, he says, are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, why? Because your heavenly Father wants to make peace with you. And see, when you make peace with other people, you are being like your Father in heaven. Right? Think about it this way Do you know any happy troublemakers? Right? When you think about the person in your office who's always trying to stir up trouble, 
When you think about the person in your friend group or maybe your family group even, and they're always trying to stir up trouble, do you consider that person to be a happy person? Right? Probably not. Because troublemakers are troubled by other people's happiness. And so Jesus says, okay, look, happiness is not found in troublemaking. Happiness is found in peacemaking. Happy are the reconcilers, right? Happy are the people who walk into relationships that are broken or relationships that are breaking and, and, and make peace, right? Happy are the reconcilers. Happy are the peacemakers, right? And again, when you think about the people that you know in life that are truly happy, isn't it true that they are peacemakers and not troublemakers? I mean, it's like, how in the world did Jesus know all this? Right? I mean, how in the world 2,000 years ago could Jesus just kind of open up and explore and dissect happiness in such precision and such detail and then invite us into it? And see, this is why. I mean, this is why. This is why you should read Jesus. Because even if you do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, this is why you should just read what he says anyway. Because Jesus was constantly inviting people who did not believe that he was the Son of God to follow him anyway. And see, and then we come to the last one. And then we come to the last one. And this is the one that if you just kind of step back and think about for a moment, it's like, okay, Jesus... The merciful thing, I get it, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. Get it, got it, good. And then, you know, the purity one, okay, never thought about that way before. Jesus, um, don't know that I'm going to do anything about that, but I can see, you know, your point that you're trying to make. But then we come to this last one that is perhaps the most amazing of them all, and he says this. Verse 10, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To which when we hear that, we think to ourselves immediately, okay, time out, Jesus. Listen, you are clearly a smart guy. But Jesus, you got to understand, right? Um, Happy and this word, they do not go together. Right? When I lose my job for doing the right thing, Jesus, I am not happy. When I'm the only one in my class who doesn't cheat and so I fail the test and my GPA goes down, right, Jesus, I am not happy. There is no happy when this happens. But see, here's the point that Jesus is getting at, and in fact, we see this so clearly throughout the teaching of the New Testament. In fact, I would argue that eventually all of us discover this at one point in our life or another, but it's just simply this, right? You are going to suffer for doing the right thing, or you are going to suffer for doing the wrong thing. Right? In this life, you are going to suffer for either doing the right thing, or you're going to suffer for doing the wrong thing, but happiness is, in fact, only found on one side of this equation. Right? Because you can be happy when you're persecuted for doing the right thing, because at the end of the day, you have peace with you, and you have peace with God. But you cannot be happy for doing the wrong thing, because at the end of the day, you do not have peace with you, and you do not have peace with God. And see, Jesus says, in this life, you are going to be persecuted. In this life, you're going to be mistreated. Do you want to be mistreated for doing the right thing? Do you want to be mistreated for doing the wrong thing? Happy are those, blessed are those, he says, that when it comes down to it, they choose to pursue righteousness even when it costs them. Because you can be happy and suffer the consequences for doing the right thing. You cannot be happy and suffer the consequences for doing something that you know you should have never, ever done 
done. It is just absolutely brilliant. And so Jesus says, this is the way. This is what happiness looks like. These are the activities of happy. This is the mindset. This is how you achieve happiness. But see, here's the question I want to leave you with today as we begin to wrap up our time together and as we introduce this idea for the next several weeks. Right? What's the connection between all of this? You know, because Jesus, he just keeps right on going. Right? He doesn't stop here. He keeps on going for two more chapters. But what's the takeaway? Right? What's the application for us based on these first ten verses of what Jesus has said? And see, here's the thing that could perhaps be life-changing for you as you look back on your life right now, as you think about a situation you're in in this moment right now or a season of life that you're in right now. Because see, all throughout these words, what Jesus is pointing us to is this inevitable conclusion that happiness is a result. Right? Happiness is actually the fruit of something. Happiness is about something now that leads to something later, which means that happiness is about the ultimate and not the immediate, which means that happiness is not immediately accessible, which is why so many of us have piles of things in our homes that came with one-day shipping, and yet one day after we got them, we were no longer happy with them. In fact, this one truth alone has major application for all of us, and we're going to talk about it more in a couple of weeks. Happiness is a result Right? In other words, it's why you can't just hear a song. It's why you can't just read, a, read something. You can't just say a prayer. Right? You, you can't just do that thing and say, okay, right, at 11 o'clock I, I came in. I was not happy. It's now 12 o'clock. Now all of a sudden I am happy. Jesus says, no. No, happiness doesn't work that way. Happiness is a result. In other words, happiness is one of the areas, one of the many areas of life that falls under this category of what the scripture would refer to as the principle of the harvest. Now, a principle is not a rule that you follow. A principle is not a law that you break. A principle um, actually applies itself to us whether we choose to apply it to our lives or not. It's at work in the background of our life. Principles are experienced and principles can be explained, but principles are not invented. Rather, they're discovered. And because we are not, I assume, farmers, and because we no longer live in an agricultural society, we can miss this. But see, the principle of the harvest, it basically says this. It says we reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow, and we reap after we sow. And so what Jesus is explaining to us in these words, in these incredible words, is that through the grace that each one of us have received from Jesus, we can sow and we can reap into happiness. Through Jesus' grace, we can experience and embrace meekness. Through Jesus' grace, I can become a person who is a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. Through Jesus' grace, I can actually become merciful. Through Jesus' grace, even if it costs me, I can say, listen, I want to be a person who pursues righteousness. Through Jesus' grace and by his forgiveness, I can say, listen, even if it costs me something, even if I have to cancel some subscriptions, even if I have to move out, even if I have to change the people who I'm hanging out with, I can be a person who pursues purity because I want to see God work in my life and in the world around me. 
happiness, Jesus would say, is a result. We sow and we reap our way into it. And see, here's what's so important for someone who is here today to hear today. Right? If you are unhappy, if life is unhappy for you right now, you are not bound to unhappy. Right? You are not destined to unhappy. You are not stuck with unhappy. Because Jesus wants to show you In fact, he wants to lead you in a different direction. And see, this is why at the end of this very famous and very familiar message, Jesus gives us a little parable. It's a parable that if you grew up in church, you've heard countless times before. But it's why Jesus looks at the crowd that day and he says to them, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and who puts them into practice, right? Not everyone who says, oh, wow, Jesus, that was really amazing. Oh, wow, Jesus, that was really deep. No, Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, Jesus says, that person is like a wise person who built their house on a rock, right, which takes time. A house built from scratch by a builder, right, that takes time. That's something that is not immediately accessible. Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine and says, from this day forward, from this point forward, that person is like a wise person who began the process of building their house on a rock, on a foundation of solid rock. Nothing changed immediately, but something changed eventually. And then Jesus continues and he says this. But everyone who hears these words of mine and who does not put them into practice, even if you agreed with all of them, even if you thought they were very, very, very interesting. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and and does not put them into practice, he says, you get no credit for just listening. You get no credit for just hearing. Jesus says, no, you're deceiving yourself. There is no benefit to you to just hear these words. There is no benefit for you to just listen to these words because you're being just like the foolish person who built their house on sand, which also took time and which also had no immediate consequence. But you know the rest of the parable because eventually the storm came and the man whose house was built on that foundation of solid rock his house was still standing but the man who built his house on sand had nothing but regret to show for it see happiness don't ever forget this happiness according to Jesus happiness is A result. We sow and we reap our way into it. And see, here's the most incredible thing of all. Following Jesus, right? Following Jesus, it will eventually, not initially, it will eventually, not immediately, following Jesus will eventually make your life better. And what Jesus offered you is a better life. In fact, he called it eternal life. 
And the reason he called it eternal life is not simply because when you die, you get to go to heaven someday. No, he called it eternal life because when you embrace that Jesus is who Jesus claimed to be, then all of a sudden your life is taken out of the context of simply birth and death, and it's placed into the context of eternity. And I mean, really, who in the world would actually make you that kind of an offer? But see, then Jesus authenticated his offer to you by laying down his own life and then taking it back up again. And see, here's what I know about you. Eventually, you are going to end up somewhere in life. I just want to see you end up happy. Because Jesus is not in the way of your happiness. In fact, following Jesus provides the way to happiness. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these incredible words and Jesus for actually directing us and pointing us in the direction of happy and inviting us as you lead us and as you direct us towards it. And Jesus, I pray very specifically for the person or the people who are here today and they are struggling with unhappy. And they are just so desperately tired of unhappy. Jesus, I pray that they would hear these words from you as words of invitation, as words of hope. And Jesus, for every single one of us, all of us, we have hurts in our past, we have regrets in our past. There there are things in our, our past that we look back on that we are ashamed of and embarrassed by. And Jesus, the truth is, every single one of us, we are in need of your forgiveness, we are in need of your healing, and we certainly are in need of your grace so that what would come out of us and what is seen in us is not us, but instead is you. Because, Jesus, it is your love, it is your power, it is your peace that makes us new, that makes us new creations, that that gives each one of us a hope that goes far beyond what we experience in this life. And Father, I pray that for every single one of us here today, that each of us, we would hear these words as the heart of the Heavenly Father who loves us and who always wants what's best for each of us. All this I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.